Humanity simply responds to God. When a person beholds who God is, worship is what happens. And oftentimes we think about worship as the songs we sing in church. That is a time of worship, but really you realize that a life of worship is you choosing every day to declare the worth of Jesus, to make much of who God is. If you were to record yourself for a day, what do you think you would find you talked about the most? You'd probably discover that you focus on the things that are most important to you. Well, today, Pastor Daniel invites you to explore the subject of worship. You'll learn that worship is what happens when you simply respond to God. It's not just singing a song, but a way of life. It's letting him know that he's enough for you through the good and the bad. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Luke chapter 10 as he begins a new message called What Worship Should Be Like. So it's amazing how when you grow up in a culture that loves media, how much movie quotes that you hear when you're a kid can have an impact on your life. Isn't that true for pretty much all of us? So one of the most popular movies when I was a kid, it begins and ends with a simple quote. And you can see if you can remember what it is. It says, life happens fast. But if you don't open your eyes and look around a little bit, you might miss it. How many of you guys remember that quote from Ferris Bueller's Day Off? That's right. Now, if you don't know that movie, it's because you're younger, and I promise they're going to make a remake of that real soon. Because that was one of those movies that when I was a kid, it came out, everybody just wanted to quit school, skip school for a day, and go have the time of their life. But it's amazing how that quote in that movie is absolutely the truth, that life happens fast. That's true for all of us. And if you don't open your eyes and look around a little bit, you might miss what's going on. Like this happened for me and my family because, you know, we moved into a new kind of epoch in the Fusco home. And that's because our oldest, Obadiah, he's mowing the lawn now. <laughs> Which is totally awesome. When he, when he was mowing the lawn, I told Lynn, I'm like, why didn't we have kids earlier? Because it's like, I've been mowing the lawn for a while now. And so sure enough, he's like mowing the lawn. And I'm just like... This is awesome. But then I started thinking about it. And then I remember back now, you know, seven years when I got here to Crossroads almost eight years ago, Obadiah was in kindergarten. You know, and our youngest is going into kindergarten. You know, and so I started thinking about this because, you know, like Lynn and I and our family, we were away for a while because the board gave me a few extra weeks off because I finished seven years. I'm in, I'm in halfway through my eighth year here at Crossroads and, 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 and they're like, okay, I'm going to give you a little bit of a, an extra break, you know, so that you can take that step. And I was just super stoked because when I got back, I, especially being away for so long, I, I, I always think that when I put the key in the lock, it's not going to work, <laughs> you know? And I, and I wouldn't even blame them. If I ever came to Crossroads, I put my key in the lock and it didn't work, I'd be like, they finally got smart in this place, you know? 
But sure enough, the, the door opened. I walked upstairs, and I still got an office with my son. I'm like, hey, this okay. We'll keep going, you know. But 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 what, what's amazing is it's it's like how did seven and a half years go buying Crossroads? I mean, there's some of you who still remember the very first time Pastor Bill invited me to speak, and they thought to yourself, who's this guy? You know, I looked exactly the way I look right now. Cute. My dreads were like this big. I was, you know, I didn't have any gray hair at that time. I still don't. Someone said, you're getting wise. I'm like, gosh, I hope so. You know, but like, but I don't know where the time went. Like my little kindergartner Obadiah is now, he's mowing the lawn. And our youngest is going into kindergarten. And it's like, if you don't look around a little bit, time, life happens. And there's a lot of us, right? I remember when we started having kids, we were like, man, enjoy it all. It's going to go so fast. And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. But it's like, it's really true. It happens so fast. And now, because of that, it's important for each one of us in our lives to make sure that we keep an eye on our lives, that we don't just live life. We have to decide, like, this is what God wants for me. For a lot of us, that's finding our ways back to Jesus and finding our ways back to church because you look at your life at some point and you're like, oh, oh wait, this, this can't be what my life is. There's got to be something more for me. There's got to be something better for me, right? And so, you know, it's important not just to live your life, but you have to work on your life. You have to say, if this is who I am and this is what I believe God wants me to be, what are the steps that I need to take? We talk about it here all the time. Right? We're all in what? Process. Right? Which means that n- nobody here is a completed package. It's like you're growing today. That's the gift you have today. And I always say at best when you're in process, I like to say that we're not what we used to be and we're not what we're going to be. But Lord willing, today is a day to take a step in the right direction. Now, as a church family, just like us individually, we as a staff, each year we say, okay, Lord, where are we and where are we going? What are you trying to do in us? And, and each year, God gives us some vision for the year. And, and in this year, right, we've called this year a year of simplicity, right? And, and, and our goal as a staff is to, God gave us this sentence that we want to embrace simplicity with an elegant consistency, right? We're like, you know, some of you guys know the, the old saying, kiss, right? Keep it simple, silly, that's the Jesus version of it. We all heard it a different way. <laughs> and some even worse than that, right? And so, so, so as a church, we're like, we want to keep things simple. We want to embrace this consistency. It's hard to be consistent, right? Like anyone can, can be streaky in a sport. You know, a basketball player who's streaking can score a lot of points. It's one thing to be consistent year in, year out, right? And as a church, we're like, look, we've done all these things. We want to be consistent. And so in, order, in a year of simplicity, we're like, if we want to keep it simple, what are we going to focus on? And we came down like, what are the only eternal things, right? And I've always heard it said, there are three eternal things, only three eternal things in this world. Everything else is temporary. There's God, there's God's word, and there's people. Everything else is temporary. Your circumstances are temporary. The cultural moment we live in, it's temporary, right? Your favorite car, temporary, right? All, it's like everything's temporary except for God God's word and people, right? So we sat down and we said, okay, if that's the only eternal things, then in a year of simplicity, we're going to simply focus on eternal things. And we came up with that we're going to focus on worship, the word, and the world. 
Now, if you're like me, in our year of simplicity, focusing on the word, we've decided that we're going to read through the Bible together. Now, if you've been doing that plan, like many of you are, you realize right now we're in the book of Hebrews and the, and the prophet Isaiah. And for many of you are like, I never, ever read this before, right? These two books, you're like, but, but by us keeping showing up, Every single day, now all of a sudden, you're like, man, I'm reading the prophet Isaiah, and I'm reading the book of Hebrews. And literally, in a couple of months, we'll have read through the entire Bible together as a church. We're memorizing scripture. Because we're like, look, we want to make sure we get the whole counsel of the word of God. So we've been focusing on it, memorizing it, and reading it. By focusing on the world, people, right? As a church, we continue to take steps to not only disciple and grow up all the Crossroads family, but continue to reach people. In all these different ways. One of the things I love so much is when I am reminded that our culture may write off people, but God doesn't. Our culture may say these people are a problem, but that's not the heart of God. God sees we were the problem and God sent Jesus on a rescue mission. And as a church family, we have decided we are going to seek to reach the world at its places of pain in the name of Jesus. No matter who they are. No matter what they believe. Whether they believe like we do or not, doesn't matter. Because we see problems, but God sees potential. We see people and we say, God wants to do a work there. You know why? Because we are those people. And God met each one of us along life's way. And as a church, we've been fully engaged in the life of people in our community, locally, regionally, nationally, globally, unafraid of people who God created, who have gotten lost and broken by life, who God wants to do a redemptive work in. That's what the grace of God is all about. And then the third area is worship. And really, that's what this series that we've been doing called Wonder is all about. See, worship is the way humanity simply responds to God. When a person beholds who God is, worship is what happens. And oftentimes we think about worship as the songs we sing in church. That is a time of worship, but really you realize that a life of worship is you choosing every day to declare the worth of Jesus, to make much of who God is. And we've been exploring what is worship all about. Now, to to really, you want me to keep it simple for you? Our only goal here at Crossroads is that for however long God has you as part of this family of faith, that you can say, I learned how to worship Jesus here. That's our simplest goal. I learned how to worship Jesus. I was encouraged to make much of Jesus in my life, not just when we gather together in song, but every moment of my life by simply responding. That's my goal. My goal is, how do I make much of Jesus? How do I declare the name of Jesus in this generation? And so I want to share with you a message that it's been burning in my heart for some time. I'm calling it what worship should be. And in order to get at that, I want you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. Luke 10, we're going to be taking verses 17 to 24. Luke chapter 10, verses 17 to 24. Now, if you're new to the Bible, Luke's gospel is the third book in what we call the New Testament. So the New Testament begins with Matthew's gospel. It's the telling of the story of Jesus. You have Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So it's the third book in the New Testament. Chapter 10. Now to put this in context, in Luke chapter 10, 
Jesus' ministry is gaining popularity. And there's all these people who are following Jesus. So Jesus gathers 70 people to him. Oftentimes we think about the 12 apostles. But then there was all these other people who were around. So Jesus grabbed these 70 people together. And he said, listen, I'm going to send you all out to declare in all the different communities that the kingdom of God is here. Right? But he sent them out two by two. So although there's 70 people who are getting sent out, there's 35 ministry teams going on out. Right? And then Jesus, and it's so funny because oftentimes we don't realize how kind of intense Jesus can be. Jesus says this in Luke chapter 10, verse 2. He says, Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Now just imagine that for a second. Imagine I'm like, Hey, listen, everybody, we're going to take a mission trip and I'm going to send you out as lambs among wolves. And then we put up a little video from like the Discovery Channel of like a predator and a prey. That's what Jesus is telling his disciples. Like, listen, I'm going to say lambs and wolves, wolves eat lambs. And he's like, hey, guess what? I'm sending all 35 teams out, lambs in the midst of wolves. How many of you guys going on that mission trip? Yeah, exactly. These 35 teams still went because we're wimps. They still went. Right? And he sends them on and he gives them all, this is how I want you to do the ministry. He explains all these things to them. And really we pick up in verse 17 of Luke chapter 10 when they return. And we're going to learn some really amazing things. Look what it says. So Luke chapter 10 verse 17, it says, Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Now, I'm just going to give you the principle and I'm going to unpack it for you. The first thing that worship should be is worship should be subversive. Worship should be subversive. Now, I realize that the word subversive is not a word that people use every day. So I'm going to define it for you so you understand exactly what it means. The word subversive literally means a systematic attempt to overthrow or undermine a government or political system by persons working secretly from within. That doesn't that sound a little mission impossible. That sounds kind of cool, doesn't it? Now, I'm going to explain to why I'm saying that worship is, it should be subversive. Because if you notice, these 35 ministry teams go on out and they have all these experiences. And when they come back, they're full of joy. Now, why are they full of joy? Because they're serving the Lord. And the Bible says that we're more blessed to give than receive. And here's the, here's the thing. All of us are in ministry, whether we know it or not. Wherever you are, if you're there in the name of Jesus, that's your ministry. There's no such thing as we do ministry at Crossroads or in the church, and then for those people who work outside of the church, you're not in ministry. I don't believe that at all. I believe that if you're a stay-at-home mom or dad, guess what? You are in ministry. There's all, you, you not only serve your kids, there's all sorts of people that you meet and serve. If you are a student, guess what? You're getting an education, but you're actually in ministry because you are there in the name of Jesus as one of his kids. If you work, whatever your vocation might be, guess what? That's a ministry. 
You're there in the name of Jesus, if indeed you're there in the name of Jesus. Right? So there's no such thing as ministry happens in the church, and then what happens outside, that's that's not ministry. No, all of it's ministry. Right? And for many of us, the reason we don't have any joy in our life is we haven't grabbed hold of our lives as this is me serving Jesus in this context. Right? Now, here's the thing. The reason worship is meant to be subversive is because you notice when they come back, the disciples are blown away because they say, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. So they come back and they're like, Jesus, you'll never believe what happened. He's like, what? He's like, man, there were these, we were casting out demons. Now, how many of you think that that sounds like a lot of fun? A few of you. It's because you've never been involved in spiritual warfare. Every time I meet someone like, man, I want to see some spiritual warfare. I'm like, no, you don't. Because when you see it, it's not fun. It's scary. It's serious business. There, there's, a, there's a realm outside of the realms that we have a tendency to experience. And it's not playing around. But the disciples come back and they had all these great ministry experiences. But you have to realize the fact that the demonic realm was placed under the authority of the followers of Jesus, that's subversive because the Bible teaches that when Adam and Eve fell in the garden, Satan became the prince of the power of the air. And so really what it is, is what you see is that the people of God, if you are here today and you are a follower of Jesus, there is a system, there is a power structure that exists today That when you and I choose to believe in Jesus and walk with Jesus and worship Jesus, we are actually undermining the predominant power structure of the day. And that power structure involves governments and corporations and vast resources. And the beauty is, is we live in a day and age where you don't even realize how subversive our lives can be. Let me give an example. If you're a student today, and you go into school, you know they banned prayer in schools. No, they didn't. They prayed formal prayers by everyone in school, but when a child, a student, believes in Jesus and goes into the homeroom and bows their head and says, Jesus, will you bless every person in this school? You're subversive. The power structure says you can't, but you can You might go to work and your work may say, listen, we have a total tolerance policy, which is actually a really good thing in the workplace, right? So when you decide to go to work 10 minutes early and you walk through the office and you pray for not only everybody who works alongside of you, but everyone who's going to interact with your company, guess what? You're subversive, right? See, the beauty is, is that as a follower of Jesus, we are not called to subscribe to the power structures that are there. We are part of another kingdom. And when a person chooses to praise God, to live your life in such a way that makes much of Jesus, you are being subversive. And most of us don't think of worship that way. See, listen, if you read about the church as it's persecuted, which has a great history. It's going on right now, unfortunately. And I don't mean great in like a good way. Like there's so much history of the people of God being persecuted for their faith in Christ. It's an enormous amounts of material. The worship of the people of God in persecuted situations is the most extravagant. Because you can make laws that say you can't talk about Jesus, but guess what? The people of God don't have to listen to that. 
Worship is an act of undermining the predominant paradigm of our day. And in case you haven't noticed, our world isn't friendly to Jesus anymore. I know it's jarring for those of you who've been around for a while because there was a time when it was. But guess what? Who cares what everyone says? Jesus is Lord. And we want to be subversive. See, Jesus sends these guys out and demons are being cast out. And you got to love what Jesus does because Jesus doesn't say, oh man, that's so cool. You guys are awesome. You guys just started international ministry. Jesus is so funny because he's like, look at verse 18. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. So this is like the, per- the kid who plays basketball and he's hanging out with LeBron James and he's like, listen, LeBron, we played this game. I got me a layup. And LeBron's like, I'm the greatest basketball player who ever lived. <laughs> like the disciples come back and they're stoked. And Jesus is like, but listen, man, you, you saw some demons get cast out? I was there when Satan got cast out of heaven. Because you realize that Satan, the prince of the power of the air, he didn't begin as that. He was Lucifer. He was an archangel. When he spread his wings, all of heaven filled with the glory of God. But at some point, Lucifer said, why should God get the glory? I want the glory. The universal human problem right there. People are like, I don't want to give God. I don't want to, I don't want to worship God. I want to worship myself. Same issue that's with worship today. So I don't want God to get the glory. I want the glory. I don't want God to get the credit. I want the credit. I don't want God to be praised. I want to be praised. This is all of our problems right here. It's a worship problem, right? Jesus is like, man, I was there when Satan fell from heaven. And then he says, and guess what? Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents, scorpions, trample on, and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Wow. Jesus is like, man, you think you have authority, man. You haven't even seen nothing yet. He's like, I have completely subverted the predominant power structure. But then he says, maybe the most subversive thing. Look at this, verse 20. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, verse 20, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Brother says, I want you to circle that in your Bible. Circle verse 20 in your Bible, because here's why. That's the gospel. The gospel is not what we get to do for God. The gospel is what God has done for us in Christ. The gospel is not, look how successful we are. Look at what we've done. The gospel is, look at what Jesus has done. He's saying, listen, whether you saw demons get cast out or if you didn't see anything, your joy should not be in what you've done, but what Jesus has done for you. And my friends, this is why we worship. Though most people have never been involved in a black ops mission to take out bad guys, today, Pastor Daniel shared that you undermine the crooked way the world works every time you worship God. You learn that worship at its core is subversive. It works against the structure of this fallen, broken world. Pastor Daniel shared that you worship God because he has rescued you. This is the best news you could ever get. Hey everybody, I want to invite you to join me in reaching people with the message that Jesus is real. Would you pray about partnering with us in the ministry of Jesus is Real Radio? Your support in this way helps us to keep sharing God's word and helps us reach more and more people. 
Thank you for considering partnering. Find out more at JesusIsRealRadio.com. I'd love for you to be part of the Crossroads Community Church family, but I understand some of our listeners can't make it to the actual church building. If that's you, come join us online. We live stream our Sunday morning services at CrossroadsChurch.net. So grab a cup of coffee and join us wherever you are for our time of worship and teaching. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will remind you that it doesn't matter how others see you. God loves you and wrote your name in heaven. You'll find that this reality is both the root of your identity and the source of your joy. You'll discover that when you cling to the amazing truth that he's rescued you, you can choose to worship him regardless of how broken, painful, or aggravating life is right now. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series called Wonder. Until then, may God bless.